Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Thursday of the 23rd week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters, that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We all have knowledge. Yes, that is so. But knowledge gives self-importance. It is love that makes the building grow. A man may imagine he understands something, but still not understand anything in the way that he ought to. But any man who loves God is known by him. Well then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that idols do not really exist in the world, and that there is no God but the One. And even if there were things called gods, either in the sky or on earth, where there certainly seem to be gods and lords in plenty, still for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things come and for whom we exist. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things come and through whom we exist. Some people, however, do not have this knowledge. There are some who have been so long used to idols that they eat this food as though it really had been sacrificed to the idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled by it. In this way, your knowledge could become the ruin of someone weak, of a brother for whom Christ died. By sinning in this way against your brothers and injuring their weak consciences, it would be Christ against whom you sinned. That is why, since food can be the occasion of my brother's downfall, I shall never eat meat again in case I am the cause of a brother's downfall. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. O Lord, you search me and you know me. 
You know my resting and my rising. You discern my purpose from afar. You mark when I walk or lie down. All my ways lie open to you. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. For it was you who created my being, knit me together in my mother's womb. I thank you for the wonder of my being, for the wonders of all your creation. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Already you knew my soul. O search me, God, and know my heart. O test me and know my thoughts. See that I follow not the wrong path and lead me in the path of life eternal. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Alleluia, alleluia. If we love one another, God will live in us in perfect love. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I say this to you who are listening. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who treat you badly. To the man who slaps you on one cheek, present the other cheek too. To the man who takes your cloak from you, do not refuse your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and do not ask for your property back from the man who robs you. Treat others as you would like them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what thanks can you expect? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what thanks can you expect? For even sinners do that much. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what thanks can you expect? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Instead, love your enemies and do good and lend without any hope of return. You will have a great reward, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be compassionate, as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge, and you will not be judged yourselves. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned yourselves. Grant pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and there will be gifts for you. A full measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. Because the amount you measure out is the amount you will be given back. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's acting like a bit of a problem solver for the Corinthians. And here we're getting a problem about meat that's been sacrificed to pagan idols. Now, we might automatically assume that the only place where meat sacrificed to idols um, is served would be in um, pagan temples. Um, in which case, the solution's pretty clear. Oh, just don't go to the pagan temples. Don't eat the food that's offered in pagan temples. Don't go to the little temple restaurants um, and you'll avoid meat that's been sacrificed to pagan idols. But that's not quite the way that it worked in Corinth. It's a bit more complex than that. You could end up with food um, in various different places. Firstly, yes, in the temple precincts, um, but also, you know, in people's homes. There were times when um, 
sacrifices were made as part of, um, you know, ordinary civic life. Uh, you go to a wedding or a funeral or some other event um, and, you know, meat is served that, that has been sacrificed to pagan idols. It's like, well, what do you do then? As a Christian, do you refuse to take part in these civic moments? If you're a guest invited to someone's house, do you, you know, sort of get up and leave? And here's the other aspect. What if you're poor? What, you know, what if you're someone who never gets to eat meat uh, and then they give you a little bit of meat um, you know, at the public games or something like that? Now, it seems that there were two schools of thought in Corinth uh, about this issue. Um, and like so many things in the early church, the division kind of went down along um, Gentile and Jewish lines that, you know, those who came from Jewish origin and came to Christianity through Judaism, um, they were more willing to say, no, nah, don't eat it. Um, and I suppose you can see why. I mean, it was very much part of the law of Moses to condition what you ate and what you didn't eat, what was clean and what was unclean. So, you know, meat sacrifice to idols, unclean, don't do it. Those who came from pagan origins, however, didn't really see the big deal. Because after all, idols don't exist. There's only one God. And God is the creator of everything that exists you know, including the stone and wood that the idols are made out of. Now, you can kind of see the point. There's a bit of a tension here, obviously. Um, you've got to leave behind your paganism. You can't just keep living as if nothing has changed, as if it's okay to continue to go to pagan temples and continue all the pagan rituals as normal. So, no, 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 you've been, you've been pulled out of that world by becoming a Christian. But at the same time... Let's not pretend like these idols really exist. So you kind of end up with this interesting problem. And it comes to Paul now. And Paul, I think, has got a very good solution. A, a way of kind of cutting between the two camps and really using a Christian principle to govern a practical response. And so in the first reading, we, we get that practical response. Paul goes, yeah. Of course, these idols don't exist. Of course, the food's been sacrificed to nothings. Um, in which case, go ahead and eat it. But at the same time, this food isn't nothing to some people. To some people, it really is food that has been sacrificed to idols. So don't eat it in front of them. If they think that you eating this food is a sign that it's just fine for Christians to keep on worshipping pagan idols and continuing in their old lifestyle, then donate it. And so the principle that Paul operates out of is the principle of love. Donate it for their sake. He says this, Some people, however, do not have this knowledge. There are some who have been so long used to idols that they eat this food as though it really had been sacrificed to the idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled by it. In this way, your knowledge could become the ruin of someone weak, of a brother for whom Christ died. By sinning in this way against your brothers and injuring their weak consciences, it would be Christ against whom you sinned. That is why... Since food can be the occasion of my brother's downfall, I shall never eat meat again in case I am the cause of a brother's downfall. 
Now, bear in mind, at this point, Paul's not saying, hey, be vain. You know, consider other people's opinion of you and whether or not your actions are going to make their opinion of you better or worse. That's not it at all. And, you know, when you read Paul, he doesn't care what people think about him. He really doesn't. (laughs) But if your actions are going to pull them further away from Jesus, my goodness, check what you're doing. The great act of love that you can do for them is to avoid keeping them from Christ. So he says, look, if you buy the meat from the butcher shop, go for it. But if the butcher tells you that the meat's been sacrificed to idols and that it's going to be scandalous for the butcher to see you as a Christian buy it, then don't eat it. If you're having meat at home and you find out it's sacrificed to idols, who cares? But if it's going to keep someone from Christ, my goodness, don't eat it. I think this becomes a really helpful moral principle for us as well, because I suspect we often don't think about it in these terms, in terms of being shaped by love. I may not be doing something wrong, but is what I'm doing going to be misunderstood by someone? And is that going to keep them from Christ? Well, in that case, do it for their sake. It's nice, though, um, at the end of the first reading, Paul actually flips the coin. He says, In this way, your knowledge could become the ruin of someone weak, of a brother for whom Christ died. By sinning in this way against your brothers and injuring their weak consciences, it would be Christ against whom you sinned. So, you know, interesting little point there. He says, well, okay, you might be keeping someone from Christ, but you're also keeping Christ from someone. And that's an offense against him. Because how much he longs to draw close to us. How much he longs to draw close to others. So don't be the cause for the distance between Jesus and other people. That's a sin against them. And it's a sin against him. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. 
and with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.